When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Reading is an exercise in imagining. And the only way to grow your empathy is through imagination. So no matter what you're reading, you are becoming a better thinker. We're back. Welcome back to Human to Human, everyone. This is the very first episode of our new season, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, this episode is very special because it's presented by our friends and our fellow bookworms at Penguin Random House and their Always Black Instagram community. The Always Black Instagram channel is dedicated to celebrating Black literature and the infinite ways to be Black. Highlighting creators from every genre, you'll find authors, poets, chefs, and everyone in between. So be sure to follow Always Black for more at Always Black. That's A-L-L-W-A-Y-S-B-L-A-C-K. All right, now let's get into it. This episode's special guest is always Black curator, bookstagrammer, and thought leader, Cree Miles. Cree and I talk human to human about the joys that come from identifying as a lifelong learner, her relationship with identity through the scope of literature, and how she had maneuvered through her parenting journey. Now, usually before every episode, I give you a few recommendations, such as a song, a book, and a reflection question inspired by the conversation. But this week, I let Cree take the lead, so all these recommendations are coming directly from her. The song to add to your playlist is Thought Shit by fellow Houston native Meg The Stallion. This episode's read is Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. And to sweeten the pot for our listeners, we have two reflection questions this week. The first one is pretty big, so buckle up. Are you existing out of fear? And the second one is more of a prompt. For our Black listeners, write down three things that are bringing you Black joy right now. I'd love to hear your responses, so feel free to share them with us by tagging at Always Black and at Human to Human with Stacey Ike in your Instagram stories or in the comments on our website. Now, let's get into my conversation with Cree. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first episode of season two of Human to Human. I am so, so excited. I'm so, so excited. Thank you for being back with us. Thank you for journeying with me through this new season. I know that you are just going to be so thrilled with the different guests, the different conversations we're going to have. So I first want to introduce you to our first guest. I'm so, so thrilled to have Cree Miles with us. She is currently the curator of Penguin Random House's new Instagram community, Always Black, and their hashtag Amplify Black Stories initiative and mission. And I am so you are literally the definition of take up space with your knowledge and your skill set. And so it is a privilege to watch you in this moment, to be a part of it with you and to elevate you and to be excited next to you and just to do life together, I hope from this moment on. So thank you so much for being here, Cree. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Stacey. I remember when one of our pre-conversations, you were like, we're here because of the world we built for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that has just like been on my shoulders from, Mm -hmm. from that conversation. Cause you're right. It's such, this is such a blessing. Isn't it? Oh my God. So I first want to get into a little bit about you because I just introduced you as a curator for Penguin Random House's new community. So can you first talk about how that started? How did Cree Miles becoming the new next, you know, yeah. (laughs) 
I um so I'm known on these internet streets as a bookstagrammer that's what we self-identify as and that all started because of bluest eye in 2017 like I read it and no one around me had read it so I was like oh to the internet and then you just kind of just find the other people and I've always been like uh, how do I make this thing as big as possible person? Mm. So like, if I love something as much as I loved Bluest Eye, it wasn't enough for me to just for like a thousand people to see the review. I was like, who can I touch to convince to let me take up space in their platform so that I can tell more people about this thing I love. And um, it's just, it's just grown through like, shout out to Bellatrice. They were like the first big account that saw me and um, Kara Priest just holds doors open. So that's how I kind of got in community with Penguin Random House because we all did a readathon together at the beginning of the year. Mm. And then just a few months later, um, Carly, the creative director called and was like, hey, we have this thing happening and we just, your name keeps coming up. And I was like, I'll get paid to read whatever I want. Oh my That's God. all I want to do. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I wanted to make sure we started with that story because I want people to hear your skill set, your knowledge, there's room for it. We hear that cliche a lot, right? Of like, your gifts will make room for you, but it's really beautiful to see it in real time. And I just think that the more we share those stories, the more that we remind each other, your gifts make room for you. It's possible. Keep going, keep nurturing that gift, keep doing whatever the thing is that fills your heart with joy. So I just love watching you do it and sharing space with you here because human to human brings me a lot of joy and being able to do this and connect with people and share our stories. This is is so brilliant. So thank you for sharing that. What yeah, you're welcome. What got you into reading, right? So like, first, let me talk to you. Let's talk childhood, right? So we all have those experiences from one practically to 18 of that experience of what school is going to tell us and demand us to read. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually talking to a friend recently and I was like, isn't it funny how we were, you know, this, this was a required reading at a certain point. And then for like the blur of your twenties, you're like, I didn't really, I don't know what I was reading. If, if I was reading, right. Like if I even yeah. cared to continue, cause it was like, I'm trying to get rid of all this stuff that school made me do. Yes. And obviously you get a bit older and all of a sudden you find that all the gorgeous stories you've been looking for were already in all the books that you've been passing by. Yes. Right. It's like, yes. What do you mean? What do you mean? Every lesson was already written, but dang it. So now you understand the, the, the importance of it. And it just becomes this gorgeous experience for me personally. So for you, kind of what reintroduced you to reading, if it was a reintroduction, did you start reading um, at a young age and that just continued or was it a reintroduction for you? Um, I, I mean, I definitely read as a child, like we, my, when I was small, small, my mom was literally a third grade teacher and my dad was a zookeeper. So like Mm -hmm. the summer activities were like the reading, like challenge at the library and the library (laughs) was super close. And like, I can, I have the language for this now as an adult, but I am just like introverted AF. So Mm. walking into a library and everyone has to be quiet and it's just like these, I was like, is this heaven? Like, God, are you here? Cause it was just so great. So that was like, that's where it started. And then in my twenties, nothing until I went on a date with my now husband, it was our first date and he's a voracious reader. So like, I feel like it was one of his like pat first date questions. And he's like, <laughs> what's the last book you read? 
And I hadn't read a book in two years, but the last one I had read was Angela Davis's autobiography. So I was like, well, at least I have street cred. The last book I read wasn't like child's play. And then <laughs> we were sitting in, like we went to go see Pedrito Martinez, this wonderful Cuban drummer. And I was like flipping through the pamphlet and I was like, oh my God, did you know Lorraine Hansberry, the woman who wrote Raisin in the Sun went to UW Madison? And he looked at me like I had six heads and he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, like you are not about to know more about a black woman than I am. So like, I thought, cause the date was okay. So I thought the only reason that he had been put in my life was to remind me to read. So I like instantly <laughs> went home and was like Googling and I like picked up Zadie Smith and I was like, I'm about to read. <laughs> that was, I'm um, competitive. So. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. So yeah, that's how it started. And then I was like intentionally reading black authors mm. and I was putting down books like they had me reading Hatchet mm. and this was here. Mm. Wow. They played in my face. Like, wow. so I all, I just think about the kids in school right now who like think they don't like reading. And I was like, no, okay, nobody relate to the grapes of wrath. Right. Like, no. So just never fear. It's coming, yes. hopefully. Yeah. Oh, God. That's, it's so interesting, right? Like, we're socialized to these be the books that we accept at a certain age. And then you get older and you just find all these gorgeous, gorgeous authors. I won't lie. Like, I hadn't really understood the beauty of James Baldwin until very like last five years. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I'm behind. And you're having this I'm behind moment, which I want to make sure that everyone who comes and listens to this moment knows that you're supposed to hear this at this exact moment, right? Yep. Like you're never behind. You're exactly where you need to be at the same point you are. So I probably wasn't even re ready to receive the gorgeousness of James Baldwin until five years ago. And so that's why I came across my, my world. But I just, I think about how much I didn't know I could read. I didn't know I could educate myself in, right? And I wonder for you, as you were after that two year of not really reading and then diving in, how did that change your relationship with words, with stories, with vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, one, the it's, and this is like a core belief in organizing. You have to meet people where they're at. Hmm. So I do want to say like, when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hemingway has bars like I'm never going to deny that Tolstoy is a monster Nobokov is a monster but that's not my entry point like I can I'll find them after I feel seen with Alice and Tony and Audrey and so that's the disservice that educators do to the children in the classrooms who don't look like Nobokov Tolstoy and Hemingway because they think those are the only people writing stories and they're not everyone's writing stories for every way. A Quake is writing stories for a very specific group of people to feel seen and it's important. And so I do want to say that there's a lot of writers yeah. who got bars, but like, I just know where my energy source comes from. Right. And it was just literature just gave me like options for my story that nothing in pop culture was really giving me. Like, mm -hmm. 
And a part of it is because the beauty and magic of literature specifically is that you get the inside of the person. So maybe a, like a Solange Knowles is what I need, but I don't actually know because I don't know what Solange is thinking about. But I do know what Jani is thinking about in uh, Zora's like best, like most famous book, Their Eyes Are Watching God. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, same. I totally relate to that because yeah. I can read, I can see what she's doing. Mm. And also just knowing that the women who were writing these stories, like how they were living their lives, mm. like so radically in the times that they existed. Like Zora just, she she wasn't going to have any children. And Tony had two boys and talks about how immensely hard it was. So Alice talks about how hard it was to be a mom and like the need for alone time and et cetera. And it's just, um, it just gave me options to be like anything, which yeah. was kind of limited because I was, I was such a young mom. People were, they were about to ship me off to dental hygienist school. I cannot imagine. I can't mm. imagine. Isn't that, wow, wow. So talk about being a young mom and well, was the readership in you being developed at the same time of being a young mom or did that kind of develop later on as Ethan got older? Ethan is your first son, by the way. Yes, <laughs> um, so it was, I was, I was like trying things. Mm. So I had picked up the guitar for a little bit and it was like going to open mics. And that was like, I was just behind because people have been playing the guitar since forever. I always knew I wanted to create things. Um, and I've always been a journaler. So like, it would be me like processing my thoughts. I have like 20 journals and it's hard to read with a toddler like that. Sure. And I'm relearning that because I have one now, but um, it was like once Ethan hit around five, that's when I had the space to be like, oh, let me sit down with this stuff because he can do it too then you know like he'll sit down and read something or draw something and that was when I was like oh I can literally I would love to just have a career talking about this literature like that I just kind of wrote that Ooh. down like six years ago like I want to dedicate my whole external existence to pushing beautiful books wow. and that's it Okay. So help us push some, right? And so I, I think you and I talked in our, in our pre-talk and just getting to know each other about my relationship with books. Um, I, I grew up, I grew up loving reading. I grew up loving talking, right? And then I studied journalism and okay. then eventually books became a very task oriented thing, right? Everything was to read so I could work. Everything yep. was watched so I could work. It was very interesting that I didn't notice it because I was so proud that that was my world. Like even for you right now, you're currently reading, but it's also your work, right? Yep. And so there's a joy in it, but there's also a, a part of a task. A deadline. A deadline to yeah. it, right. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely put down the joy part of reading until very recently, and it has been a whirlwind. But what I enjoy is that there are just so many different books that gave me other layers of my identity that I didn't recognize. And I wonder for you, what are some of those books that were very big game changers for you and that really opened up your identity even more? Yeah. I think as a Nigerian American, there are books I saw myself in more than I thought I would. And there were other books I didn't plan on seeing myself in. There was a lot of that. Um, I read a lot of different authors, but even for you who, I wouldn't say specifically, but you have talked a lot about Black literature and you do promote and talk and, and make sure to let people know you can come into this Black literature and feel seen and feel known and not feel um, like you, 
like a bully is coming your way, right? Because for me, sometimes I see like really thick books. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to retain that. That's what I used to say, which is crazy, yeah. right? You're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to read the easier thing. Yeah. And so just exposing ourselves to the thicker book and knowing actually it's, it's the one that has you in there the most. Yeah. And so what is your relationship with books and, and, and identity now? Uh, they, I mean, I just, I don't even remember who I was pre Morrison at this point. Like mm. I, I, I probably think about her like as an active human, like several times every day. Yeah. Um, just the magic of the stories, like how masterfully excellent the literature is paired with the fact that she was doing that at four in the morning before she went to her full-time job, paired with the fact that she was the only black person at that job, paired with the fact that she was the only woman at that job, paired with the fact that she was a single mom Mm. and she wrote beloved. I don't even, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I just, like, it just, I sit and think about it. Like, oh, so does that, and then I think like, I too am a black woman, so I can do anything like Mm -hmm. what a what an actual complete stunt and I and I wonder for people who don't see themselves in Morrison I hope for them that they have a Morrison because that really is like a source that I grab onto when I'm like oh man this is too scary or too big or and then I just like check through my list of other black women who are I just am in community with because of our identities. And I'm like, oh, I can actually literally do anything. So I forgot for a minute. And I, it's, it's just really made me fearless. Like it, it's given me the, just everything is limitless because of her. And, and I will, I can, will always sing praises of the color purple. Like I can't even I put it down and was like, how did she write such a, like how? And that's, she's another one. They just, they just do what they want. And that's why their lives are so prosperous. And, um, and I think that's why the art that they give us is so beautiful. One, because they have such clear senses of who they are and they they just lean into the yes. And like, there's no performance. They're all of the, that they are doing and it's okay. Yeah. (sighs) Taking that in, how you read a lot of gorgeous authors that give you context and history, right? And really just take you back and, and take you to, a, like you just mentioned, Morrison and, and just her, how and where she was while writing. How does your experience and your education with all of these different writers give you understanding of where we are now? We are in a very interesting time, but we've been here before. We, you and I yeah. might not have been here, but we have been here. And so for us as a newer generation, we're like, okay, we're about to change the game. We're about to do this. We're about to do that. And sometimes I'll have moments and I'll watch Toni Morrison saying the same thing. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm a little scared. Like, are we not going to ever get out of this cycle or what's going on? Yeah. Right? Just with the pulse of our culture right now, so much, um, there's a lot of injustice, but there's a lot of liberty at the same time. There's a lot of us fighting, but there's not a lot of us winning. There's a lot happening at the same time. How does it give you context to respond to, to how we're experiencing life? Well, my, my degree is in organizing, like my bachelor's degree, I'm a trained organizer. So for oh, in cool. college, what'd you say? I said, first of all, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
you. It's, it feels, it gets more flexy. <laughs> it, I, I love it. And shout out to Alberto College for literally changing my life, David Broker. Um, but I, um, so I remember like as a young 20 something, just being inundated with all of the worst parts of humanity, like the worst mm-hmm. things that have happened on this planet and the worst things that were currently happening. And I was like, I need to go get a PhD in global studies and join um, the United Nations and et cetera, right. et cetera. <laughs> and so I, um, and then you like, you know, you get into it and you like start working at a nonprofit and you're like, oh, we're going to have a six hour meeting about the copy under this statement about the thing that already happened. Cool. Oh okay. My God. So, um, I was just like, what can I do? Like, what sure. can I actually tangibly do sure, to help sure. the planet? Sure. And as I like talk to people and I'm in community with the people that like you have to be in community with, not necessarily chosen family, but just like family and like coworkers and stuff. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sure. You get to see how much of our population exists out of just absolute fear. Like yeah. that's just the, they had, they like, they're so inundated in it that they don't even know what they actually want to do. They don't even have the alternative. They're just scared. That's their identity. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting like, what liberates fear? I don't, I don't know. Like, how do you get more courageous about like how you go about? And honestly, Stacy, I think I just decided that I just have to be that. Like you can't, you don't make the revolution. You just are it everywhere that you go. So I just like kind of wake up, like, let me make sure I am showing up as the realist that I can all the time. Cause that's all I'm, it's just going to have to be those little touches. And you do like, you get as far as you can. Progress is a slow tangled slinky. And then I too will be 70 like Angela Davis is, and I will have to hand it over to somebody else. So I just, I just, I really try hard never to function out of fear. That's always my goal. And if something scares me, I try to make a point to make sure I do that anyway. Like, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm scared, I have to lean in extra hard because that's the last thing that this planet needs. I love that. I love that. And so how does your commitment to black joy affect how you react to pain? Yeah, I, I'm just honest with myself. I like, I know that we went through all of like social media went through that whole wave of like toxic positivity that has never, ever, ever been me. I, um, I remember when George Floyd passed, I didn't even have the space to unpack it because I was still like Ahmaud Aubrey. what? Mm. He was running? Like I was still doing that and high key still doing Trayvon Martin. Like yeah. it's not, yeah. so it's like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't perform the thing. It just, it hits different every time. And so I, I give myself space for that. And the, the magical thing that has happened within like the last year and a half, two years is just finding community that you can 
be do do it with so you don't have to like explain or defend i will never get on the internet and try to talk down some white people who don't understand what's happening that's i i am a I'm a creator. I'm not a teacher or a healer. High key. That's not my truth. I don't have the patience. So I know that I just need to be around people who um, can hold space without having to be told how to do it. And that's where I go when it gets really, really dark. I love that. I think it's really beautiful to identify what your truth is, right? Because I think there are people who are like, yes, I am a healer. That is my assignment on this planet. And I'm going to keep doing that. But it's best for us all to know our assignments because every assignment is, is necessary for the classroom to succeed, right? Like this is a classroom that we're living. This is life that we're living, but it is a classroom. So yeah. I love that you said that because I'm like, it kind of just, I hope that we all can take a moment to say like, what's my assignment? Because it keeps me, you know, we the phrase like stay in your lane, it sounds a little trifling, but it really means just don't give up on your assignment. Yeah, do That's you? really mean, yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. And like, choirs like I can't sing the altos note like if we all did that then it wouldn't be a chord so this is this is my job I'm good and I'm cool with that yeah Mm, I love that so what is the last thing that you forgave yourself for for the first time Uh, oh don't you're not I'm a crybaby Libra don't do it (laughs) hold on hold on Mm. Okay, well, if I am constantly forgiving myself as like an early 20 something mother, you know, because I was, I mean, oh, I should have went lighter, you know, I should have lied. I don't know how to do that. Um, but um, this is human and human, we get to do it together. So my, my oldest is 11 and he is just a full blossoming, beautiful person who wants to be a herpetologist when he grows up and he plays chess and he also reads all the time and he draws and just like the most empathetic thing that I've ever met. And, but my mom is always like, duh that's literally all you wanted from him when you were you just you said you wanted to raise a little boy who could feel other people's stuff and hold space for it Mm -hmm. and so to know that that still happened despite just the goofies of your early 20s has been I mean that's a daily forgiveness of like Mm -hmm. I was doing my best sometimes it was kind of shitty but he is so amazing still regardless and he like he's not mad right now. Like I think, you know, we always end up going to therapy to blame our parents for something, sure. but he's not there yet. And when he goes there, I'll just have to, I just, I have to prepare myself to take it and hold responsibility for the parts that I played. Um, but knowing him, I'm hopeful that, I mean, that will still just be relatively graceful. He's a really, really graceful child. And I, I don't even know how I don't, I don't deserve it. Thank you for sharing that. Wow, I'm getting really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Me. Um, that's a, a gorgeous thing to identify and to recognize and to also sit in gratitude for that Ethan is a reflection of you 
of, of all the all the parts of you, right? Like the parts that it took that was hard, the parts that were easy, the parts that were soft, the parts that at the time didn't make sense, but he's still the most, he's still that reflection of you, which just means like you get to look at how gorgeous you are every day. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's a, it's wow. really, it truly is a better version. Like they yeah. always say your kids are supposed to be a better version of you. Yeah. He is, he's better at setting boundaries. He's more direct. He's gentler. He like, he doesn't abandon himself. Like he, he really is the, the 11 year old that I wish I was. Yeah. Oh, speaking of abandoning yourself, is there something, is there a part of you that you know that you abandon? either through your 20s or even as a mother, as a, as a writer, as a reader, whatever it is, as a human being that you abandoned that you're now having a new relationship with and kind of re-accepting? Yeah, it was, there's something about that time of your life, like the graduation, 20, 21, 22, 23, that like, first of all, our society just so heavily obsesses over, like there are mm. so many movies about like the high school senior. Mm. And so for me to go like I was voted most likely to literally be president and like most memorable and I broke two track records and I had a full ride and like all of that to just come back pregnant in a year mm -hmm. it was just like how do you flip this like I was my own PR like how am I going to flip this to make it match mm -hmm. the narrative that everybody has around me right. and it just got to the point where it was like, oh, I can't. Like, this is this is what it is. People are going to do what they want to do. So what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's when I picked up the guitar and that's when I started journaling. And that's when, this isn't Black literature, but one of my professors gave me The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin, who um, Ursula would definitely be invited to the cookout. Um, <laughs> it was... Um, just like, like that was my introduction into science fiction. And so it was, I had to, I had to stop performing mm -hmm. and I had to get really honest about like where I was in my life and kind of the fact that we were all kind of performing just because like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't even know who is actually happy at 23. So like, as I look back on it, I'm just like, what, who was I even like to my high school classmates right. for what? Right. Uh. So that's the part where like, that's kind of been a beauty of like the late twenties, thirties is just been um, clarity about like yeah. what I actually want being relaxed in that decision, being relaxed. If I have to shift like it doesn't just doesn't have to be this one thing being relaxed if you don't even have the blueprint like I'm walking around telling people I'm about to be a full-time influencer for books and people are like what that's never happened before and so then you're just like oh I don't tell certain people the dream because they don't have like mm -hmm. the capacity mm -hmm. but then you tell the people you can you write it down and you keep moving yeah I love that I love finding a dream that serves you and that is the fullness of you but it's it's something you didn't even realize until it was time to realize That's yes kind of how i just received that i'm like wow everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light ba -da -ba -ba -ba.
but it's true because you're just like it's just dark in front mm-hmm. and you're like this feels right so I'm gonna keep going but I literally people are like what are you doing and I was like I can't see it I don't know I don't know what I'm doing but it's yeah. right yeah. so that's what it is join Penguin Random House in celebrating black authors and their stories all year long using the hashtag amplify black stories This is a full year initiative with the mission of introducing more stories by black authors to a diverse group of readers. Penguin Random House is committed to raising the profile of black authors, both familiar and new, who are helping to tell a more complete cultural narrative. From nonfiction centered on social justice and self-improvement to romance and sci-fi. To celebrate these creators, visit the Penguin Random House Amplify Black Stories website at penguinrandomhouse.com forward slash shop forward slash amplify black stories. How did you stay committed to your readership and to reading and your relationships with books at a time that really everything is competing for our attention? Everything, right? Well, I protected it, like, first off. So, like, in the early stages of my Instagram page, like, my mom wanted to be, like, follow me, and I wouldn't let her. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you I know you want what's best for me but you're a mom and I don't need like I don't need your energy or space right here it's too early Mm -hmm. I just need the like blind excitement around what I'm doing to encourage me to keep going and then it was just I was very very intentional about not even intentional as if it's work. I'm naturally like this. I celebrate every aspect because I think something in me innately knows that it's just work. So like you have to like every single, like I remember when I hit 4,000 followers and I remember when the first time an author, Bridgette, um, the Life and Times of Fannie Lou Hamer was the first author who saw a review that I gave on her book. I remember I almost dropped my phone in the toilet when ta started following me. And like, it's just like, I write them down to remember like when it's dark or when it just feels confusion, like confusing. It's like, this is what I was doing. And so I, I try to stay that's how I keep my intentionality around the content and then reading is really it's a numbers games Mm -hmm. like when you got to get it done so it's just like I open the book I see how many pages it has I try to figure out when I want to get it done and then I just hit my goal every day Mm -hmm. and that like in the beginning it was so hard to quiet myself that I would literally like give Ethan my phone and I'd be like hide it and give it back to me when I tuck you in and so like it would just be like that and then you start like that but then the stories are actually great so you get lost you literally get lost in them and then it gets to a point where it doesn't have to be so hard yeah let's talk about well-read bullies for a second I've seen you post about that right people who are reading are constantly educating themselves, which is wonderful. You know, we, we have to be real about what everyone has a time for. And yes, everybody makes time for what's a priority for them, but it's their priority. So mm-hmm. a part of having you on this episode is really expressing a version of your priority and really allowing people to know, Hey, it might not look like 20 bucks a year or 50 bucks a year, but please feel free to introduce yourself to a couple of books, um, you know, every quarter or whatever, yeah. just allow yourself that peace and that time. So for those who are a little nervous, because there are people who do the bully thing, right? They're like, well, I read all the time. And this is what it sounds like. And this is you haven't read like. any Baldwin? Wow. Like, 
it's really a mess. Like it's where I was hiding for a while because I do a lot of interviewing other people. And so Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily have to get to know me. And I know that that was a part of me that that underlying shame thing was I'm not smart enough. That was worked on for a while and still work on. And so for you, I'd love to, um, if you could share with me, if you do have an underlying shame, I, I love well, that's totally adding that together, but yeah, <laughs> but in general, for those who are like, I want to ex- explore this place, but I gem- I feel intimidated. I feel nervous. I feel, can I do it? Even though, yeah, we want to say it's simple guys like, oh, just read a book. It's sometimes it's not, sometimes it feels really tough because you're confronting a lot when you're really reading. I feel like it, it really reveals a lot of identity stuff and a lot of Ooh, it's, it's a lot of layers, which I enjoy, but yeah, I'd love to kind of just like explore that topic of, of well-read bullies and also that underlying shame lie. I mean, well, that's still like within the bookstagram community, like the black BIPOC bookstagram community is something like, if it wasn't a safe space for me, like, cause it always wasn't, cause I didn't know everyone. There are some people who li- just have master's degrees in comparative lit so when they write a review or when they're talking about a book it's going to hit different than when I talk about the book like because I'm not reading to critique the pacing of the narrative or the um the dialogue phrasing or like I'm reading to feel something and so that's how my reviews hit and that's why I'm telling you to read the book Mm -hmm. and so one, I just had to get clear about like, we're not all here for the same reasons. And that's okay. That's me staying in my lane. I'm not the one, I'm not trying to talk to the Yale review. Like I, I'm not trying to keep up with them. I'm good. I want the little girls on sixth and Hopkins. I know y'all not from Milwaukee, but if you know, you know, I want them to read Alice Walker and they're not going to read her. If I'm talking like I work at the Yale review, like, so that's just the bottom line. And so that's just kind of been something that I've had to come to terms with and just liberate myself around one I can keep up if I want to, like, if I wanted to spend the time learning the, like, structures around literary criticism I could but also low-key all of that feels white as hell to me and I'm good like Mm -hmm. I I just and I know that like things have to have rules and form like dance has rules and form which is why it's beautiful when it's executed correctly but I I will slowly learn I'm a forever learner but I'm not in a rush to know it and I feel like if I don't stay in it that doesn't disqualify what the book did to me so that's that's like that's kind of the space that I try to occupy and I have no patience for anyone who tries to shame people who haven't read things like that is honey your insecurity slip is showing and why are you even reading then like who cares if you've read Tony's entire canon good for you Mm. clap 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 then why are you still acting like a jerk because she does not like um support that at all she definitely brings us to a space but says hey come if you would like but I'm not forcing you and not begging you and I'm also not going to shame you if you're not here exactly so it's when I catch a bully I'm like hey 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 this is the opposite of what and it's so interesting right we get to a space of like I figured it out so you should come over here too forgetting the process of how we figured it out and how that's the part we're sharing with people not the fact that we figured it out because 
again, we never figure it out, but of course that gets misconstrued in our bulliness. Right. (laughs) And you know, one thing that just like, I, when I reviewed the water dancer, Ta-Nehisi's first fiction novel, I was so like intentionally irreverent. Like that was my peak irreverence phase like I was cussing left and right I was dropping the n-word like I was like whatever whatever and then I dropped it and I was like do we tag Tadahasi that's the question (laughs) and so I was like going back and forth and I finally I tagged him a few times like I had to do it a few times so so that he could like see it and after he followed me and he said that he loved it I was like if this one of the greatest writers on the planet yeah. understands what I'm doing, then y'all are performing. Like um. it's a performance and you don't have to act like this. There are, there are so many ways to be. It yeah. doesn't have to be this bougie thing. Mm. And that's exactly why I want us to chat today. It doesn't have to be this bougie thing. It can, edu- um, reading is education, obviously, but it's also enjoyment read what you want, try what you want. You don't know what you haven't, what you love until you try something new, give yourself the space, put something down. If you don't like the first chapter, like all of those things can exist, exist at the same time. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, it's great to hear you say that as well. And that it comes from your perspective. What would you, what would be some advice for you um, to give people, I mean, it's a summer and we want them to explore and not only continue to explore themselves outside because we're back outside, but exploring inside too. Oh, I mean, I re- like I genuinely do love the Black Cannon. That's not a performance. I I I love the color purple. I love their eyes are watching God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not everybody's jam. Like yeah. my homie Tracy from the Stacks Pod, she loves nonfiction, mm-hmm. and that's what she reads. And she read Beloved and was like, what? what is happening Mm -hmm. like I don't even know and that's perfectly fine so just try stuff like you can and if you just like I have an aunt if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating McDonald's who is a social worker like through and through and she was like I only read romance novels because I see enough of the real stuff every day like I don't need to experience Mm. any of that when I'm like unwinding so if all you want to read is romance novels and like the feel-good stuff that is okay Mm -hmm. reading is an exercise in imagining and the only way to grow your empathy is through imagination. So no matter what you're reading, you are becoming a better thinker. Like that's just the science and people gotta let it go if they don't think that's true. And I would rather you be reading than not. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, oh, I love that, that growing empathy. I, I asked you earlier about how did reading um, affect you and your vulnerability? We, we touched on it, but I'd love to see if there's anything, other thoughts you have there because I just that empathy, that connection we have with each other, so much of it are in the words that have already been written, the words that are still going to be written, um, not only from other artists, but from ourselves, right? The journals yeah. that we never expose to each other or the little notes in our um, in our um, iPhones or whatever that we haven't exposed to each other. Those words yeah. have so much more connection than we think. And yeah. I would love to know if there's other things that have expanded for you, whether it's vulnerability or grace. I think grace was a big thing for me that that I explored deeply through reading and recognize yeah. that like, wow, there's just so many stories out here. There are so many different types of people. 
this yeah. is exciting. This is gorgeous. We get to do this life together. And I don't want to read every yeah. book just to try to put myself in someone's shoes. I just want to enjoy their shoes. I'm still yeah. wearing my own. I just want to enjoy their life, right? Because they are living it every day. And so for you, how has that, you know, come to fruition for you? I, um, vulnerability is like a superpower to me. Mm -hmm. It, I think it has been for like a long time. I was, I'm not really religiously active at this point in my life, but I remember when I was, and I was reading about Jesus on the cross and he was like asking for forgiveness for the people who had, um, like hung him up there and was just and was just present and being there I was like this is like peak this is a peak flex like he like <laughs> there is there's still no anger or no and I I know that sometimes like grace is weaponized against black people and people of color to like not be able to acknowledge the like crazy making system that we're in mm -hmm. but I, I always want to challenge everyone that grace doesn't mean truth is absent. Like it just means that you aren't trying to slam dunk on somebody. Like that's not your intention when you're saying it and you can say it. Um, you can just say it. Like it doesn't have to be in anger. It doesn't have to be. And I, I always think about when Tony was working at Random House and people asked her like, what was it like working at Random House being the only black woman? And she was like, I was the most interesting person in the room. What do you mean? Like, it wasn't, it was not a thing. And I think about like, she didn't dumb herself down at all. She was bringing in Angela Davis's books and Muhammad Ali's and um, Tony Cade Bambera's. So it wasn't like she was like kowtowing to like the way that they wanted her to be. She was still fully showing up mm -hmm. and just like, I'm not interested in any of this like racial nonsense that you all are bringing to me. I'm trying to build a black canon. So mm. I think it's like when we are like so clear in our mission mm. um, and like what the legacy we're supposed to be leaving vulnerability is just, it has to exist with that. Like there's no, and you don't even have to be ashamed about it. You just have, you're just like, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing and welcome or bye. Or buy, <laughs> or buy. Look, look at how we look at those easy options, guys. It's either welcome or buy, and none of them have any hate or pain or worry. It's like, well, listen, welcome or buy. Wow, I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. Like, I'm writing that. Why is that the simplest, most gorgeous? I have said gorgeous on this episode more times than I think I've said in a month because I'm like, um, everything about it. Wow, yeah, um, I love it. I'm here for that. And you, and you talked about not being ashamed, which just takes me to that, that last stretch of the, of our conversation, which is the parenting aspect of re reparenting yourself through words, as well as now currently parenting your son and your yeah. sons. And I'd love to kind of get some experience or some um, perspective or insight from you of, are you reparenting yourself through the words that you're reading? And how does that translate to how you currently parent your kids? Yeah, I mean, I think one joy of just believing, like being a true lifelong learner is that you are forever aware of all the things that you don't know. 
So when new things come, it's you, you, you don't feel threatened. You're just like, of course, because look at all the books on the planet that I will never get to. So of course, this new thing is here. Let me hear more about it. And I think that, um, I mean, Ethan parents me around that all the time because I mean he just lives in a different world where like it's like reptiles and such and then um just emotion socially and emotionally his like takes on the things that are happening to the planet um he just introduces me to things and the dichotomy of like Ethan as a child and like the one that I raised and like I'm 10 years in the game so that probably is like probably close to 10,000 hours. Like, I feel like I'm almost mastery level at that. And then I just get with a whole new person. Like Nathaniel is like, when he was in my body, I, we named him Nat after Nat Turner. And I was just like, I just want you to be brave. Like, I just want you brave. And like, you say that and then they come and you forget all the things that come with courage, which Mm -hmm. is like, fierce stubbornness and like specificity of what they want to achieve and making space for that because just because he's two doesn't mean that he's not a whole autonomous being who deserves the space that he requires and it's oh I like it is humbling and it's nonstop. And the real thing that hits different, Stacey, is because it was just me and E. So we were like, we had our flow. It was the two of us. He would go with his dad every other weekend. But it's like this partnership layer on top of everything where I'm like doing this with my husband mm-hmm. has just been like, like, I really was have been looking at my parents like, God did that because <laughs> wow this is crazy and my dad is like mm-hmm, tried to tell you like it's not even like oh my gosh so I I can't believe that there are these people walking around us every day who just have families and spouses who have oh they've been God. married to for decades how I think about the same thing I'm like you know yes you go to therapy to also blame your parents but you leave ended up ending up saying wow I really honor you and like how did you do this what is this thing you did called raising kids (laughs) whoa how did you do it it's so crazy and how are y'all like still committed to each other and like how yeah I hear I don't know wow Uh, I love that like honesty because it's truly something I have recognized in my process of healing I have definitely had those moments of blame but I've also been like I'm so impressed by the two of you making this choice and you made it I have it's four of us um I'm the oldest so it's five of us you did it. You made the choice five times and the, and, and seven of us still hang this Duck. is girl. Um, it's, it's not light work. Mm, like mm, in the mm. fact that this society, after a woman does that, if she decides to, they want her to do something else. No, <laughs> that's enough. That's crazy. Real talk. Real talk. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that we were able to brush and not brush, but um, talk through some of the vulnerabilities that come with reparenting, rereading, reintroducing, re-identifying all those re's, right? That I, I believe that a lot of us are experiencing right now, not only just post-pandemic, but at a certain age group, right? You start 
recognizing that, okay, this part of my life was actually not what I thought it was. You mentioned the early twenties, which I resonate with so deeply because as a 23 year old, 25 year old, you had all this pressure of thinking of what it was supposed to be. And we spent so much time in that. Yeah. And I wish that that part, I really wish I could talk to society on a whole, like big microphone and say, Hey, you're tripping with this message. It doesn't work. Can you please reintroduce it to a new message? So, and I it's just, the societal obsession of yeah. like that age. And so yeah. then you're watching all these things like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this right now. And I don't even make enough money to pay rent. How? Like, how do where- I do this? It, oh, yeah. Every show, every movie that glam, uh, glamorizes what it looks like to be in your early 20s the, the yeah. purse, bags, the shoes um, for men, the way that they approach women, the way that they have money, they're flat. I'm like, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Guys. Guys, most of us are back home trying to figure out. What most of us are back home. What are y'all talking? We can maybe take a trip every other year. <laughs> we are buying everything from Forever 21. <laughs> like, please stop making this, us feel yes, like this. Yes. Oh, well, I hope this conversation gives some people permission to reintroduce themselves to whatever phase they are in their life and reintroduce themselves to whatever parts they they want to re-identify with, right? And and we talked personally about identity and and how books personally for me was was something I was a bit scared of in the sense of like just deep diving, right? Like obviously we can read, like I said, the easier books, but some yeah. of the deep diving made me feel, oh my God, what identity am I? And then I realized I'm all of it. I'm all of it. Yes. That's Stacy, that's the quote. That's what people, like when writers are doing their job, regardless of what their Venn diagram of personal identity is or identity Mm -hmm. politics, Mm -hmm. what they're really supposed to be doing is helping all of us imagine other worlds where we're all seen. That's their job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that quote that you also resonate with? That's just like, okay, what's, what's Cree's quote? Oh, oh, it's, it's the Lord, L-O-R-D-E. I am deliberate and afraid of nothing. Is it? I'm holding back tears, guys. <laughs> Before we wrap, I'm going to ask you this one last question. What is yeah. it you are currently unlearning? Mm. I'm unlearning. Um, I am truly, truly unlearning keeping other people comfortable in a moment at the expense of my comfort. Deep breath on that. Deep breath on that. Have you found a lot of resistance in that unlearning? Have you found it to be an, an easy peeling back? Have you felt there's it's going to take some time? Because obviously boundaries are a part of that. Um, it is hard. And I know, like, I've seen the jokes about, like, when you are becoming your best and fullest and truest version of yourself, it's like, mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're skipping through a field with like a really cute gown on, but it's not that. It's like turmoil and it's like writing the note out that you have. I have a breakup letter that I drafted yesterday that is going out today that I have to sit on and like, I just, I have to do it. I would be doing myself a dishonor. I have been keeping 
I have been prioritizing peace over truth. And I can't, that's disrespectful to me. That's disrespectful to my ancestors. Like I gotta, we gotta move on. That's disrespectful to the other person in the relationship. They think we good. I'm not, I'm miserable every time. That's, that's crazy. What do you mean by peace over uh, truth? What do you mean? Can you give me some more context? Like if somebody says something that harms you mm-hmm. and like your body will instantly feel it mm-hmm. regard like no matter in what way it is instead of me interrupting the harm to acknowledge the truth that I was just harmed my go-to because that's what I guess I've been conditioned to do is to just kind of try and brush past it laugh it off justify they probably didn't mean it like that we just need to let it go blah 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 Um, and that is a lie. Like I'm lying to myself Mm -hmm. and, um, I, it's unfair. It's unfair to exist in that way. Cause then it's like literally inside of you. Like I'm probably making myself sick in some way by holding all of this truth and harm instead of just giving it back. Like that's all, and that's literally all I have to do. I don't even have, it doesn't have to be this big thing. Like everything is not a real housewives moment where people got to go out to lunch and blah, blah. It's not that. It's just, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't walk into this door, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm. Love that. Love the, the sitting, sitting with your truth, being willing to find it, right? Like it's actually not skipping through any fields. <laughs> Finding your no. truth is very <gasps> naked. It's very hard. It's very gorgeous, but it's very difficult. And it takes a lot of breaking and expanding at the same time. And it's it's a wonderful nuance, but it's something that we have to be willing to go through and to find that truth, to really sit with the, the beauty of who we are, knowing that it takes a minute to get there. <laughs> so, oh my God, yeah. yes. it's And so that's that's really been my big thing and just owning all all that I am and some of it Stacey was really like circling back like if Mm. if I have journaled about this too many times even if it happened a year and a half ago we're gonna talk about it like we Mm. need to clear the air if we have to be in community together then do you remember on January 2019 when you like I just and then I'm just like I promise to do better it's not going to take two years next time but I just needed to clear the air yes so real so real be willing to clear the air even as an expense of being in peace because that peace is really fake it's not really peace it's fake peace right fake peace is not the peace y'all wow I've never we're not going to turn into a hashtag or anything but love that like (laughs) need people to recognize the difference between fake peace and real peace I want real peace for us all want real peace with us all. Wow. Mm. With that said, every episode, I usually suggest a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out and a reflection question. I would love you to take the lead on that this episode. I'd love you to give us a song to add to our playlist, a book to check out and a reflection question to sit with after this episode. Okay. Song on period is that shit. It's, (laughs) it's her best work. Like it's her best. I, Megan the Stallion is a hill I will die on because the intentionality behind the reclamation of these misogynist beats. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's mm-hmm. something like true, like truly liberating matched with vulnerability away around the way rappers talk itch. Mm-hmm. Like it's really 
Um, because a lot of times they be talking it before they even have it, like before they even got the money, but they're just like, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to be. And so to see a dark skinned girl doing that and just eating everybody for breakfast, I can't, like, I cannot, I was listening. Like she said, she is the shit per the recording Academy. Like, here's the receipt. I have a Grammy. Thanks. I was like, Megan, take up space. Like I can't. Oh, Ooh, it's so good. Yes, I love that. She said, wow, receipts. God, that mm, that just that just gave me, yeah, love that. Chills. She okay. went crazy. Yeah. My my book request, I mean, my book suggestion every time for anyone who hasn't read it is um Sister Outsider by Audre Lord. The transformation of silence into language and action saved my life. And I just want to give that to anybody else who feels like they can't speak their truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Audrey will help you. I love it. And I think my quote or reflection question. Reflection question. Mm. Mm. Are you existing out of fear? That's my question. This is the third time I've almost teared up. Okay. (laughs) Guys, that is the reflection question for this episode. Are you existing out of fear? And I also want to add, can you jot down the things that bring you Black joy right now? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not Black, write down what brings you joy right now. But if you are Black, I want you to write down Black joy specifically. This is- Period a beautiful way to really sit with those things, to reflect on those two questions and to feel your way out of fear. I believe once you answer that, I'm going to sit with that as well. Korea, I hope you do as well. Like, wow. Mm. Thank you guys for being here. Korea, thank you so much for being the first guest of this new season. I'm so, so excited to um, bring our audience into journeying for this new season. Thank you for ushering us in with your words, with your encouragement, with your kindness, and with your life, with your example of your life. You are just, you're awesome. I'm really looking forward to continuing a sisterhood with you. Thank you. Same, Stacey. I really, every conversation we've had, I leave like better, you know? Mm-hmm. This is, so I just, I can't wait. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning. With that said, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. You are amazing for being here, for allowing us to uh, take up space with you alongside you. We hope that you are taking up space this week. Welcome to a new season of Human to Human. See you very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Human to Human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Creed. What'd you think about the episode? You liked it, right? So you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, leave a review, and while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share. Stay connected between episodes at humanhumanseries.com where I will definitely be answering this episode's reflection question. And come hang out with us on Instagram at humanhuman with Stacey Ike. And you can find me at one take Stace. Not one like the number one, one like the only one. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, we are not what we do, we are who we choose to be. So let's be curious. Let's be in community and let's stay connected. Love y'all. Support for this episode is provided by Penguin Random House's Always Black and their Amplify Black Stories mission. This episode was produced by Stacey Ike, Tracy Lincoln, audio engineer, 
Darrell Jones, and special thanks to our guests and the entire team of Stacy Hiking. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba.